Welcome everybody to episode 36 of the Blue Skies Dronecast, the podcast by UAV Hub. This is a podcast for the UK drone industry discussing everything from the UK regulations, new drones and also speaking to you, the people within the drone industry. Presented this week by Tom and Adam. So welcome along everyone to episode 36. Uh, Adam, how are you doing? All good this week? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Tom. How are you doing? Yes, I'm uh, all good. It's actually strangely starting to get dark, actually. We're recording this a little bit later than we normally do, so it's a bit of a strange one, but uh, we've got our light on, so uh, we're all good. Uh, And uh, this episode is quite a special one, as we've got um, a special guest, uh, Joe Watson. So uh, thanks for joining us, Joe. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. No worries at all, no. And uh, this is uh, another kind of interesting uh, success story, I suppose, really. And we do like to have people on who have kind of uh, got very far with the industry and uh, especially when they're they're using drones, obviously, and uh, we do like to sort of chat through. So it's going to be a very informal uh, talk with Joe about kind of how he got to where he is now uh, and what he is currently doing with his aircraft and also some sort of tips and tricks about how new people can kind of get into the industry because I think it is the hardest part. We often say the qualifications are are kind of the easy bit unfortunately and actually then making sort of a, a sort of a go of it and earning money with the aircraft and getting jobs is, is where it actually gets a little bit harder so hopefully joe can uh, shed a bit of light uh, on that uh, as well so uh, i guess we'll hand it over to you joe very briefly just to give us uh, an introduction about kind of how you got to where you are uh, at the moment so uh, if you don't mind yeah can you explain that yeah, absolutely. So uh, my background is really in photography. I, I did a degree here in Portsmouth. Um, so I've always been motivated by getting out and about, taking photos. Um, now, this this story of how I got into this, it kind of it has a bit of a sad beginning, but it, it gets very positive. So um, just at the just before the pandemic started, my uh, my granddad passed away. Um, he left me a little bit of money and. I knew that with that money, I wanted to put it towards something that he would really appreciate and uh, approve of. Now, when I was a, a little kid on the Isle of Wight, he actually built, along with a friend, a wooden box that he mounted onto a kite to get aerial photographs. <laughs> so that kind of, you know, very weird roundabout way. Um, it, was, it was not very successful, but this, this whole sort of thing kind of really tied together. And I thought, right, okay, I've wanted to use a drone for a long time. I'm gonna use a little bit of that money and um, it was just as uh, the Mini 2 had come out and the, the rules had changed, so I thought this is mm. a perfect time. Um, I had been working for a sailing team. Everyone was f- flying Phantom 4s. I was pretty scared, and it felt a bit sketchy because, yeah, there, was, there were so many rules and regulations flying around at that time. This was probably maybe three, three and a half years ago, so it just didn't feel like the right time for me. And then mm. everything just sort of clicked into place. So I picked up the Mini 2, and that's that's where the journey journey began, really. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Cool. Um, yeah, Adam, did you have anything to kind of uh, add to that? Yeah, so um, is it right that you, you only just started flying, was it early 2021? Yeah, so I worked out the other day, just looking at my flight logs, that I did my first flight on the 31st of January last year. Crikey, so, so, been... so it's literally only been a year and a, and Just, a bit yeah, that your yeah. total time flying so um, I, yeah. I suppose i suppose for the the listeners really you know, i suppose this is quite an interesting one really because obviously joe you've only obviously you've got a lot of experience from the photography background yeah but in terms of a, a drone operator you, you're still new you know in in the grand scheme of Absolutely. things compared to perhaps some of the other people that we've spoken to you're still new but obviously this is why we've got you on because i think it's great that we've got somebody who actually hasn't been flying that long that is 
doing something right um you know it is you know getting getting working or you know it is flying for I, I, I mean we'll get on to this but you are using your drone as part of your um work is that right yeah yeah that's right yeah fantastic so um when did you do the a2 you've done you've done the a2 cfc right you did it I with have, us. yeah 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 that's correct yeah it was i think oh, I, I really should have checked the date but um it's been a little while now yeah yeah i think it was about March. i think i think when i quit like i think it might have been about march that you did it so obviously you'd, you know, you'd got the aircraft in in well obviously late january and then come march you'd obviously committed to do the a2 cfc by the yeah. looks of it yeah, that's right. So um, I started with the Mini 2 and, you know, it, it really opened so many doors and, and opportunities, but very quickly I could see the, the limitations and uh, then the, the Air 2S came out, so I, I grabbed the Air 2 and, and that's why I wanted to do the, the A2 so I could fly that safely. Ah, okay, yeah. So obviously your first aircraft, that's normally a question we ask people, is what was your first drone? And obviously that was the uh, the Mini 2, obviously, yeah. and then you stepped up yeah. to get something slightly... Why did you step up? Was it just because of camera quality and stuff like that, I suppose? Or Yeah, I think you could, with the, the Mini 2, it is, it's amazing the, the, you know what it packs into such a tiny little thing. And I know that for a lot of people that's that's been a gateway. But, um, mm. you know, when, that, when the Air 2 came out, Air 2S came out, um, you know, it was a little bit more affordable, but that one-inch sensor really definitely helps a lot, you know, kind of low light. And, yeah, you, you know what it's like. You get excited and you, you get that kind of gear-buying madness that sets in when you start something new, and, and it, it took a hold pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's it. No, uh, that's un, that's understandable. Yeah, and we can totally uh, uh, understand understand that point of view as well. I I'm think sure. quite easily. Um, so obviously, you mentioned uh, you were talking uh, uh, that you were previously doing um, ocean sort of ocean safety work and, and bits and pieces like that. Was that when the Phantom Fours were being used, uh, not by yourself obviously, but maybe by colleagues and stuff? And then you've moved on now, haven't you? I think to a sort of a, a, a different line of work. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. So I was working for um, a sailing team um, for a sailor called Alex Thompson he's, he's a very famous around the world sailor I was part of the mm. communications team so sort of traveling mm. around doing lots of video and photography um, and we and as I left um, another guy came in uh, to take my place and he was already a very competent drone operator a guy called Paddy Condy fantastic mm. uh, photographer and drone operator he's, he's a real character as well a lot younger and I think there was almost that element of you know I I, I guess I, at that point I was sort of late thirties. This young buck came in, you know. He sort of knew how everything worked, and I felt a little bit kind of, I don't know, baffled by some of the kind of uh, technology at the time. I suppose so. Um, mm. Yeah, that was one of the steps to overcome. So I wasn't really using it in that sense. And um, really, the the, the um, industry I work in now, I work in the rail and forestry sector for a mm. company called Coombs, and. Uh, the way that happened, uh, a previous work colleague had, had contacted me and he'd started flying a Mini 2 as well to capture um, sort of the operation, work happening out in the forest. And he sent me a very short clip of his drone being, uh, you know, looking fantastic, some really great footage, suddenly getting wiped out by, uh, by a tree. Oh, and uh, yeah, so he asked me how my, uh, my drone flying skills were coming along. And uh, yeah, I was obviously really getting into it. And, and essentially it, that led to the current position that I'm in now. So a little bit of nepotism, but also, you know, just uh, I, I think that I'd really sort of grasped it pretty quickly and was really enjoying flying, getting some good, good footage out of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, cool. Yeah, Adam, I think we've got a few more uh, bullet points to go through. So, uh, yeah, did you want to go through a few of few of those? Yeah, um, I, I just want to kind of take a little bit of a step back with it because I, I was finding yeah. interesting that uh, your your the first trade was the Mini 2 and obviously it was the regulations that changed that well, didn't drag you into it, but yeah, it was like, it, it, it opened opportunities. It helps, doesn't it? It yeah. certainly, certainly yeah. helped. It opened an opportunity that perhaps wasn't there before. It was like, oh, well, whether it was financial, whether it was the commitment to doing I don't know, flight assessments and all that. Um, so I, I just find that really interesting. Obviously that opened it up for you and opened up more opportunities for for other people like yourself that have these skills that don't need to do full gbc courses don't need to get the operational authorization can can do and can do fantastic work with these tiny drones yeah yeah it's amazing really yeah yeah i think the biggest thing from our point of view and especially from me because i've been in the industry for sort of i don't know I'd, i hate to think actually probably seven or eight years now i suppose and the, the biggest barrier i think for a lot of people was the fact that the the pfco or pfaw maybe as it was called a long time ago uh was what you needed to do any type of commercial work so straight away you were looking at 1500 pounds exactly just, just to enable you to do that and then obviously probably almost the same again to get a drone so the fact that now you can buy a mini and pretty much start add the a2c uh, a2cfc in it as well to, to to give yourself some knowledge it's it's a massive kind of uh, barrier that's been taken away and i and i expect probably if this was four or five years ago joe you might have not actually taken the leap potentially i, I think you're absolutely right there tom and yeah it, it just opened things up and removing those kind of initial obviously you've got very straightforward um you know online you know course mm. that you have to do but um yeah it just it took away so many worries and and there was a lot of stress kind of involved in it because i remember at that point we were going to be using you know when i was with the sailing team we were going to be using everything commercially so yeah we had to do everything by the book and yeah, yeah. it was I, I i do remember talking about going to do my um doing the course at that point and yeah i think it was like maybe 1500 two grand at the time down mm. here mm. and and they didn't really want to shell out for it because for all they knew i could just dunk it in the sea which a couple of guys did um so <laughs> yeah it's um i think the the mini twos changed the industry massively mm. yeah. yeah i think we all agree Sorry. on that adam don't we oh god yeah absolutely for, for, for the for is, good and bad <laughs> yeah is is it the mini 2 that you use as part of coombs or is it your own air to s is it do, do you use the company aircraft um we have a mini 2 which is really battered and not in such a good shape thanks to my colleague paul and uh, so <laughs> i use my own uh, 2s just because it's got the the avoidance sensors it just gives me a little bit of peace of mind there yeah fantastic yeah, easy, and yeah. did you get the the job at coombs was it um uh, was it necessary that you had to have the drones drone skills or drone qualifications or anything like that or was that more of a, a, a bonus i think really that's that's what got me the job really because i could competently fly fly a drone um as well as shoot video and and photography yeah that was that the, the, the kind of work that we do the scale of it as well it's it's huge so um, some of it, you know, when you're sort of on the ground shooting the guys working away, 
is great, but to, to show the full scale of, of the operation, you, you do need to be up in the sky, really. Yeah. yeah. So, so perhaps maybe just talk us through kind of what you do with Coombs, if you don't mind, because I think a lot of people would like to know kind of the type of work you're actually uh, sort of taking part in, I suppose, really. So what kind of things do you do? We've got a bit of a list of uh, bits and pieces here, so we can always prompt you if necessary. But no, just be interesting yeah, sure. to hear from your point of view. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my sort of day to day job, really, my, my role is a creative content lead. And it's my job to, to travel around capturing the, the work, the various work that we do. So that's across rail and forestry. Um, mm. Every day is different. It's, it, it has its challenges, especially with the weather um, as well. So, yeah, really, it, it's, it sounds a little bit too good to be true, I guess. I essentially just drive around in my little white van, um, rocking out to various sites, filming, filming what we're doing and then um, editing that and, and publishing it online really as part of, there's there's a small marketing team of just two of us at the moment so we're we're really sort of pushing out those exciting projects that we're working on i see yeah so it's just basically just showing what the company is doing from a different perspective type of thing is that the idea yeah it's it's to showcase our work but also in terms of winning new clients as well showing that we're, we're competent and, and we can do you know various you know, there, there are a lot of challenges, um, especially forestry. You get a lot of issues with land access, you know, very yeah. tricky terrain as well. So especially with the drone, that can really highlight, you know, how almost treacherous some of that that work can be. Mm. I see. Great. So would you say that, because um, obviously you do have your A2C, obviously it's not a, not a requirement for, for flying the Mini 2, which is what you, I suppose, if it was still unbattered uh the company's one um <laughs> yeah. would you say that having the a2cfc potentially did help you um, in that line of work having that kind of official experience or, or a certificate would you say that kind of did help you on the ladder i i think to a degree it because it, it gave me confidence and knowledge um that i didn't gain you know just sort of jumping in so peace of mind for myself but also for, uh, as an employer to see that I've actually done some due diligence and, and tried to do, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing some pretty sketchy things and just throwing drones up willy nilly. So yeah, it's, um, I think it's important to do, do things properly. Um, and I mean, I, I think the next stage for me will, will be going on to the GVC doing that course as well. That, that seems, you know, the next logical, logical step for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we've obviously got a list of um, some of your uh, sort of footage, I suppose, really, that, uh, that you've obviously taken part in. Uh, and uh, one of them with was to do with uh, quite a large cruise ship, I think, wasn't it? Was it the Scarlet Lady? I think that was something that you were filming. So was that anything? To, so is this uh, maybe separate from your day job? This is just extra shots that you've you've had success with, is it? Is that right? Yeah. So um, outside of work, I do some freelance work as well so mm. there's a local um what's the right word term to use media production kind of team down here called strong island uh, media um run wow. by by a friend of mine paul and he he was really instrumental actually when i first got the mini to sort of helping me you know cut through the jargon work out what i could and couldn't do he, he was a massive help and I think um, from some of the footage that I put out, um, I put a little showcase together quite early on and uh, called Head in the Clouds, which just sort of showed some of my sort of various early morning flights. And uh, yeah, I think he really liked what he saw and just asked me if I would get involved. He's, 
he's got quite a few projects on the go. So yeah, he asked me to help out. And um, so that was shooting for Strong Island, but it um, essentially we were contracted by um, the ports of Dockyard, uh, the port, port of Portsmouth to capture this new Virgin um, cruise ship coming in, which was pretty amazing. And we, we I filmed her coming back out of the harbor as well when she left for Florida. And they, they lit the, the spinnaker tower up red, virgin red. So that was pretty epic. And um, in the next few weeks, we'll, we'll be shooting the, 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 the next um, virgin ship that's coming in too. So, yeah, there's, there's always a few little kind of side hustles going on as well, which uh, is good yeah. fun. Keeps life yeah, interesting. Yeah, that definitely helps too. And I think it was used on their website, was it? Your 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 shot in the end, was it as well? Yeah, that's that was pretty crazy. Seeing it sort of popping up on <laughs> CNN and on the Virgin wow. website, it's uh, yeah, that's that's real nice. Like like I say, literally kind of a, a couple of months into to picking up a drone, really, it was it was um, yeah. a good confidence booster as well because yeah. As as you you guys probably know, you know in the creative field we are we are sort of cursed with a bit of self doubt and imposter syndrome at times. So yeah, it's always nice to yeah. you know. And you never see you never forget the first kind of proper um, shot or piece of video that you see you know either on tv or on the cinema yeah. you know it's it's great isn't it i know my first one was i had a shot only for about five seconds but it was on uh, location 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 which was pretty cool and you know seeing, awesome. seeing seeing that and then going you know I, I filmed that for about three hours and they took five seconds of it but that was still me doing that is it is a great yeah. feeling and yeah it just sort of confirms that yeah maybe i do know what i'm doing actually this is this is great <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah yeah, cool. Um, Adam, do you really want to t- uh, take over and go through a few others? Yeah, so um, I think is it you, you obviously kind of going back that you're a photographer by trade. Um, I, mm. I was doing video work as well, but you're selling your, your prints in the, is it the White Dog Gallery in South Sea? Yeah, so um, they've taken on, I used to work there um, many years ago as a picture framer, so all part of my sort of long creative journey. And they, they saw a few shots as well and they got in touch and, and asked if I'd be interested in stocking some prints which is not something I'd really thought about doing before but um, yeah it was on a very kind of uh, we, we tend to sort of print uh, to order really so there's not a massive outlay and yeah I just funny enough before I came on I just had another message from Helen who helps run it saying that um, yeah it sold a few more so yeah that's really nice too yeah really I, th- nice. I, myself, I think it's a I don't know you don't you don't see many people shouting about the fact that you know people selling their way you know they take these beautiful shots they put them all over the facebook and actually i suppose from if you're selling them locally especially people love to see local landmarks local work from the air yeah. and it's a great little and as you say there's not a lot of outlay once you can get it printed whether you print it you know whether you've got a printer at home or actually whether you get them printed by a third-party company it's not not expensive in the grand scheme of things to outlay. You don't have to. You don't. You don't have to have a run of a hundred maidens sitting on them. You can have them done. No, exactly. In small batches. It's it's pretty straightforward. I mean, the prints that we're doing are on really nice sort of archival art paper, um, limited edition, uh, nice meter long, you know, wide ones. So they look really nice, really, you know, epic. It sort of captures the scale. But the funny thing was, you know, just that only really came about because. I was going, I kept shooting these sort of panoramics while I was out shooting, not really doing anything with them. And then just one day, I'd, I th- yeah, I just had a down day and I thought, oh, I'm just going to mess around with see what else is just kicking around on the SD card. Stuff I'd forgotten about for, for months. 
and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wow, I, d- I actually didn't realise I'd capture some of this stuff. So, um, so I say- implore ev- everybody to sort of go back and revise, uh, look at their SD cards. I was going to say, <laughs> so would you say never delete anything? No, no, never, <laughs> never, ever. <laughs> no, that's that's good. So we, so did you, you, you just said that yeah, when you were doing these panoramic shots, that was literally just while you were in situ there, you get a panoramic shot and for yourself. You just you thought, oh, you forgot about it almost, and then you came back to it. Later. Yeah, it, yeah, some you know some really beautiful scenes, and and I think that's one of the things with the Air Two S, the panoramics and the still shots are a vast improvement on the Mini Two. I got some lovely um, shots up in the Lake District with the Mini Two, and they're really nice. But yeah, they're a little noisy. Um, so yeah, I think take, taking advantage of that that one inch sensor on the, on the Air Two S is kind of encouraged yeah. me to to capture more. Yeah, you get a, yeah. definitely a better range for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely, de- uh, especially when you're kind of ex- blowing them up as well to, to larger yeah. sizes. Yeah, that yeah. makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, we've also got down here that you did uh, some footage of uh, the Victorious Festival, I think, as well, for a few days too. Was uh, uh, w- What was that? What was that about? That that was awesome. So I've I've shot the um, festival, you know, good good few times over the years. Um my sort of when I was at Arc uh, University, I really wanted to be a, a music photographer, and I did that. I, I worked for Roxanne magazine in London for a few years, and that was great. Um, so yeah, I'd worked the festival. Paul again from Strong Island. He he runs a media team, so we built up quite a good relationship over the years. And I was a little nervous when he approached me about doing it, and he said, you know, would you like to be our drone guy for the for this year? And I, the, the previous year, they'd hired somebody, and I think they were flying an Enspire, uh, really lovely footage, looked, looked amazing, looked really nice. So I was a little bit nervous. Um, again, it comes down to that whole kind of confidence and just, you know, knowing what you're doing. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a really good experience. It was really fun. Um, so flying the Mini 2 for a lot of it because got, you know, sort of a lot of people around. And then we were sort of going off and doing flights from um, the wall out over the, the water, sort of coming back into the city. And we actually did... Um, the, the most memorable shots were probably the fireworks at the end of every night. And then the final, <laughs> the final night, I, I sort of went to Paul with the idea that I would shoot from behind the stage because there were no people, looking out over the crowd with the fireworks sort of going off around the drone which sound you know i think he was a bit skeptical was like this sounds a little bit sketchy um and i think he was more worried about about my equipment but uh <laughs> we worked out the logistics and we liaised with the the guys that set up the fireworks as well so we had a good sort of inside tap on that and uh, yeah we got some really really cool footage it was yeah it's really really great fun to do i think hopefully yeah. we'll be doing next year too nice yeah i see Tom, I'm just getting a bit bit off uh, off notes here because I think it actually be quite interesting um, potentially for some mm. of the listeners. Is obviously, you know, being a you know, professional photographer and doing the video. You know, do you have any kind of, um, you know, we have a lot of people who fly drones that aren't professional photographers, and I suppose you know we see a lot on our Facebook group of people you know putting things up and you know, mm. and they look okay. You know, it's fine. But you know, what what is it that you know, from a drone point of view, particularly when you're getting those spectacular shots, and I've seen the, the you know the, that first reel that you did, um, where you kind of just you know, put together all the all the shots that you did from the early days, and it just looked absolutely stunning. And I think it's obviously because oh, thank you. You understand the you know 
the framing and, and you know how to how to capture beautiful imagery but do you have any kind of tips for for somebody who is potentially still starting out who doesn't really who's who hasn't done um potentially a photography course or gone to university or college or anything like that do you have, do you have mm. any tips for the listeners for how to really kind of potentially up their game even if it's just a little bit sure i mean firstly thank you it's for, for, for the kind words that's really nice um it's um i'd say the big thing for i mean my my best advice for anyone really whatever it is is just just go out and do it um so many people hold back and you know i've been guilty of it as well just just go out and do it you can't lose anything it's um you know just build that confidence and experience and, and with me i mean i think um last year i clocked at like 200 flights in my first year and Crikey. which i didn't even realize i'd done because it's it's fun so you know if, if you have a drone just just go out and do it um get up at silly times in the morning capture some sunsets sunrises so just get out and do it but i think with um maybe that people put obstacles in their way a little bit as well so if they don't have any professional photography experience i really think it's less important now than ever with with drones because let's face it you, there's not a lot you can control over the mini 2 the air 2 um you know it's and and i will say i'm not trying to do myself or my fellow drone photographers a disservice but everything looks epic from the air really it's um it's hard to go wrong um so yeah i guess just understanding lighting and just just playing around you you people get a better feel for it um but probably learning i'd say not that i do crazy amounts of post work on on my shots but definitely getting your head around lightroom or photoshop with with camera raw um just good grading um can make a huge amount of difference i've seen some nice shots but they could be amazing shots with just a little bit of care afterwards so i think that's that's quite a, a, a you know best advice i can give you as well it's funny actually it just reminded me of something that we used to always say at um, at university so i did a film production great university and there was always this joker don't worry about it we'll fix it in post <laughs> I hear it all the time, <laughs> <laughs> and it does. It does do wonders. I mean, you should try to do your best at the very when you when you're out there shooting. But yeah, post production is where the magic happens. Yeah, yeah. It's not even about just fixing mistakes or anything. It's just about presenting it in the best best way possible. Really. Yeah, fantastic. And you you did mention sort of um, that you did used to get up and go out at you know first thing in the morning, last thing at night, and I'm just, I'm assuming that is for that golden hour that um, we all love. Yeah, yeah, those, those sort of times of day, the, the, the lighting tends to be a lot softer. Pete, it's funny, you know, going out with a camera, Pete, and, and it's bright sunshine, people are oh, great day for photography. <laughs> it's not, it's horrible, it's the worst. So, yeah, trying to find that kind of nicer, softer light. But I think during the pandemic as well, it, it sort of helped quite a lot with, um, like, yeah, just getting out getting away from the worries of everything i was waking up some most days at 4 or 5 a.m not deliberately <laughs> i think it was just generally being concerned about what was happening and uh so that was a really positive um output for for something that was essentially quite scary yeah mm. yeah it just gets you outside doesn't it and i think 
you know yeah especially when we're all working from home and stuff i think it does work wonders and if you can also yeah. fly your drone and take some cool shots at the same time then it's you know perfect really isn't it i think absolutely absolutely yeah yeah for sure um cool i think we'll move on to the next uh, section adam if you uh, if you're happy with that yeah yeah cool perfect um so what we'll talk about now is kind of um the main thing that we uh, kind of give our students uh, as advice really and it's kind of having uh, sort of a, a social media presence and it's not just you know instagram facebook and twitter because they're good but they're not kind of maybe as professional as as uh, as they could be so obviously we've mentioned linkedin quite a few times and you're on linkedin joe and and uh, you use it quite regularly so um would, would you say that's kind of helped you to get where you are now maybe for the sort of the extracurricular stuff maybe more so i, I don't know what do you think yeah i think um linkedin's a great uh, platform to present yourself a little bit more professionally um, yeah it's def- definitely work come from that and you, you really you just never know who's who's out there looking at stuff um, so it, it is interesting and I think a lot of the time with with Facebook unless you're putting money behind it it's it's really hard to get traction and and I, I, I don't even bother with Facebook anymore and um, yeah. and, and I think if you can marry up a good sort of inst- you know Instagram is great but LinkedIn, yeah, it just feels like a nice place because you're reaching other professionals that are working, you know, in situations where they will see what you've done. And it, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great for, for networking. Yeah, I see. Yeah. And would you have any kind of tips for people who maybe haven't been on LinkedIn before or have just started with their profile? You know, how, how do they go about sort of using, I think, the, the, this platform? Obviously, they've heard of it and it sounds great, but when you're sat in front of it, how would you go about maybe, you know, um, getting more clients and just interacting with people? What would you say would be your sort of main tips? Um, I mean, there's certainly groups that you can join up to as well, which um, which helps. But I think the main thing, there, there's a, a kind of a preconceived notion that it's this very corporate um, battleground, people vying for different things. So try not to be too stiff and, and corporate, but also don't, kind of air your dirty laundry on there that's that's it's it's kind of finding that sweet spot between um you know writing a cv and posting your kind of antics of the weekend on facebook so in terms of meeting people it's quite um don't make the mistake that i made many many years ago sort of in my early 20s of just mass this is when i was trying to find work mass mailing people and it's it's embarrassing and cringy when you accidentally copy and paste this kind of mass emailed thing to somebody. It's like, hi, Darren, and no, my name's Tim, and I don't do that job, and you've clearly cut and pasted this. So don't just bombard people with, uh, you know, um, meaningless kind of uh, requests when you when you try to add them. So just, just try and have genuine interactions try and veer toward follow the companies that you're interested in and, and the industries that you're interested in and and when you post yeah just make sure it's relevant to, to the kind of work you're looking for as well yeah i suppose it is a, it's i mean it is a social media platform as well so it's not just about you posting it's about actually you interacting yeah. with other people as well and, you know, and commenting yeah. and so, you know if you're something you like it saying you know, tell them love this you know you do your you know, encourage other people they're doing a great job because actually I suppose it's about that reach, because you know, then your comments will show up on their feeds and then, uh, you know, and vice versa. And that's how, yeah. as a social network, it literally works. It is a network of, of people. Mm. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that, that probably is the best advice, really, is to get involved with conversations because you don't have to add those people to comment on the posts that you see. Um, and when you do post, people see your job title, what you do. So always make sure that's kind of succinct and to the point as well. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. and it's just about being active, isn't it? It's having a yeah. presence, I suppose. And as you, you start to do that more then comes back in return i suppose as well doesn't it a- absolutely if you if you're not active and then you just suddenly jump into someone and try and sort of start a conversation it, it becomes a little transparent that you know you're just trying yeah. to kind of work them <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah that's it yeah and i think probably uh, another positive from maybe your side of things is is sort of spreading your net kind of as wide as possible maybe as well because obviously you've got your your full-time job where you can use your drone but you're also freelancing as well it's kind of it all adds to the 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 sort of the ability to to get as much kind of work in and as uh, be be as noticed as as much as possible i suppose and and also get yeah. a lot of practice in as well i suppose it all just helps with everything doesn't it i suppose too yeah absolutely and, and the learning process absolutely yeah 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 perfect um adam you got anything else to uh go over there at all so just kind of um sort of moving on to i suppose the i suppose the future really for you, for yourself as we yeah we we um spoke about at the sort of the beginning you know you've only been flying drones for just over 12 months so is is the drones now going to be something that's going to become more more and more integral to, to you and what you do um is that going to be your key service or is it still that it was it's going to still going to be a blend of you know ground photography ground videography as well as the drones what's what's your kind of future plans that's a good question. I haven't really pondered it too much because it's all happened quite quickly. But I think um, one thing that's always not set me aside because there's, there's so many amazing creators out there, but one thing that is worked in my favour is to be quite adaptable in, in what you do. So I wouldn't like to think I'll just only be flying drones. Um, it, I just see using a drone as an additional tool, really, to adding something special to a shoot or, you know, it, it breaks things up. But that said, you know, in the workplace, um, already talking about doing a GVC so I can do more surveying, that kind of work. So as a day job, that, you know, that could, that's something I'm quite interested in. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure at the moment. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad no, thing. No, no, my options are open. <laughs> no, yeah, it, I think it, sometimes people can kind of focus on something uh, and and be very sort of narrow-minded with exactly what they want to be doing yeah. whereas i know when i first started i thought well let's try and like i've said before spread your net out and then kind of let that dictate maybe where your focus is because it, it seems to work a bit better that way i think really yeah. too so i think that's uh, definitely, definitely a uh, a good way to or a good mm. thing to be following i think yeah for sure <laughs> cool cool so um so do, do, you, do you have any um sort of tips for you know new operators you know and i suppose technically you're still i suppose in the grand scheme of things yeah. classes a new <laughs> operator yourself but you know because as you've said things have happened kind of so quickly mm. you've obviously done something right you know something whether it's luck or whether it's you know is it whether there's a magic formula who knows but you know mm. do you have any tips that you feel you could pass on to those that have you know it doesn't have to be doing what you're, you know, what you're doing from a, a creative point of view, but for for anyone, whether you know, if they if they're just looking into into drones, do you have any tips for those kind of people? Mm. Yeah, I think um, it's really important to be open to 
obviously open to learning because it's quite a steep learning curve and it's it's only going to get steeper for me I guess as I, I sort of move on to bigger drones and doing new things so um, which terrifies me even thinking about it. Um, why am I thinking about that? <laughs> so yeah, just being sort of um, open to learning and having conversations with people. Like I say, Paul from, from Strong Island really helped me out and uh, chat down here, Mike, who works for Solent, he runs Solent Sky Services. He was really great asking, uh, answering some of my questions. So don't be afraid to kind of put yourself out there and um, I think people always want to put their best foot forward like they're a, a real professional um, you know you, 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 you're always learning you, you have to be so yeah don't be afraid to kind of look like a, a newbie um, and certainly don't go the other way don't kind of step out after three drone flights thinking that you you rule the skies so um, yeah. <laughs> be humble I guess <laughs> it's, no, um, for sure yeah, it's um, it's tough, and and I think a, 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 another good bit of advice um, is because I'm a bit of a nerd. I I had a a little um, ID card made up with my um, license on to put in my wallet. Um, <laughs> never know when you're going to need it, and it really helped me out. I I got stopped by the police, um, and this was during the festival, um, and we we actually liaised with the police before we flew, so they knew. Somehow that message didn't get through. Sorry, the cat's really... Uh, <laughs> really <laughs> <tickled> <laughs> so it's doing its best to put us off here, isn't it? <laughs> for, those that, for those that are listening to the podcast, as you may have heard on previous podcasts, I've got a cat that's getting absolutely in the way. <laughs> Just distracting everybody. Okay, I think we're I safe now. I think we can I carry on. Yeah. Oh, I see. Um, so you got stopped even though you'd sort of notified them. It seems to sometimes happen like that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You try and do everything by the book and you've got to be prepared for, for the worst. And they seem quite excited that they caught me. It's because I wasn't <laughs> hiding. <laughs> but um, So, uh, yeah, I, I quite proudly produced my little plastic uh, printed ID card and, and they loved it. They were like, this is brilliant. You know what you're doing. Um, uh, we're just going to we're just going to radio in just to double check what you've told us and yeah it really avoided what could have been a bit of a, a tough situation so yeah get your house in order a little bit as well yeah because yeah. I, I suppose if you know you adapt to route through your email oh yeah what's what is my flyer id and you have to yeah. route through it, mm, it does look yeah. unprofessional if you haven't got everything in order you know your insurance all that I mean, i'm sure potentially had your yeah. insurance or whatever but you know having that folder there with everything in whether it's on in your wallet or in a folder um certainly can help in a what could have been a tricky situation. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, think, being, being prepared, yeah. Yeah, it probably also helps the police in a certain respect as well because they probably don't really know what they're supposed to be looking for. They know probably they should be talking to you because you're flying a drone, but they're like, oh. But if they see something that looks like a licence, they're like, oh, well, this is familiar. This is yeah. like a, a car driving licence. This is probably what they should have. And, you know, <laughs> I guess it probably helps, doesn't it? I don't know. <laughs> it does. And it's interesting you say that because a friend of mine was flying her Mini 2 outside of the festival grounds the same day. She was stopped and it went very differently for her. And they were very confrontational and they were going to confiscate the drone, although she wasn't actually doing anything wrong. And the officer even admitted that he didn't really know the law or the rules surrounding drone use. So, yeah, just trying to be sort of clued up, which is where you yeah. guys come in, you know, to, to help us. That's it. Yeah, no, I think it's always a good idea to have some sort of, um, you know, uh, sort of 
have proof of your qualification or at least ID and sort of, you know, have it to hand. I think it just mm. looks like you've prepared yourself, doesn't it? I think yeah. and people yeah. like that. And it looks as though then you've put some thought into the flight probably as well. So, yeah, I think that's a definitely, definitely a good piece of advice and uh, some uh, good top tips there. Um, I think uh, as well so um, just to sort of wrap up uh, the episode then Joe um, if people want to uh, see what you're doing and find you etc uh, where, where can they find you do you have a website or is it sort of LinkedIn profile and stuff what's best because we'll put this in the description obviously of the podcast but yeah any uh, any easy ways to find you yeah sure so um, just my website which is joewatsoncreative.com um, Instagram is joe underscore watson underscore photography um, Joe Watson on LinkedIn, you'll find me you, if you're watching this. I'm, I'm have a beard and glasses. As I think there's probably only one bearded, bespeckled Joe Watson. So yeah, people can find me there. But yeah. you know, if people want advice and you know want to ask questions, I'm, I'm always happy to to help. Yeah, cool. Add you on LinkedIn, awesome. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cool, brilliant. Uh, nice, okay. Well, uh, I think that's pretty much it uh, from me. Adam, anything to uh, add at all? Or No, I think that's covered most things off. I think um, one of the last things I'd just might be worth having a chat is, you know, uh, when the new hopefully certified drones come out at the end of this year, what's on your radar? Oh, man, I haven't even thought that far ahead. Because <laughs> you, you, you've, you've got your A2C of C, so, not... so you, can, you, you, can go bi- you can go bigger. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. I mean, I was looking at an Enspire the other day, um, but yeah, I think they're going to be phased out, aren't they? I, I don't really know. I'm not. I'm not too up on all the kind of um, the the sort of the rumor mill. But um, no, yeah, it's best best keeping off the rumor mill. But. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's definitely make... some 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 good choices aren't there i think like with with that qualification i think you've got up to uh, a four kilogram four uh, limit then which actually if let's pretend the inspired two and stuff like that was certified they'd fall into the category so it does mm. open up quite a few actually so maybe the Absolutely. let's say the inspire three joe maybe <laughs> yeah nice yes fingers crossed that'd be nice <laughs> awesome Fantastic. brilliant uh, okay well uh thanks very much for coming on uh the blue skies drone cars joe i hope you've uh, enjoyed it yeah it's been great it's been really nice to chat guys thank you yeah cool no likewise as well and uh yeah we'll just finish off uh with uh the normal sort of sign off bits and pieces in so don't forget if you've got any questions uh email them through to a dronecast at uavhub.com obviously again if you can do it as a voice memo that always makes it uh, a little bit more exciting for the listeners but uh if not we'll always read them out anyway um subscribe if you haven't already uh review the podcast as well if you don't mind uh and uh that's pretty much everything so uh yeah thanks very much joe thanks adam uh, as well thanks cat yeah. it's wrestling with the cat there but uh yeah that's it so uh yeah thanks very much for listening everyone and uh yeah we'll see you on the next one